Our reading today is from Mark chapter 7, and it starts here. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing cups, pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied that you hypocrites, as it was written, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honour your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition and you have handed down. And you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of the person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, Envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Well, thank you very much for reading for us, Sally. Uh, for the first term of this year, we've been going through uh, this book of Mark. Uh, we're coming now towards the, the middle of the book. Uh, the book of Mark is in two halves. There's sort of an Act 1 and an Act 2. Uh, we're getting, getting to the end of Act 1 uh, over the next three weeks as we get uh, closer to Easter. Uh, and through the book of Mark so far, we've been hit again and again by these two key questions. Who is Jesus and what has he come to do? Who is Jesus and what has he come to do? And we've seen that he is uh, a miracle worker. He's a... He's a ruler, he's a, he's a powerful king, he's a good shepherd, he's a, he's a king of compassion. And, and in terms of what he's come to do, we've seen that he's come to, to preach, he's come to forgive sins, he's come uh, for the sick, not for the healthy. 
Uh, and as we've been going on, seeing who Jesus is, uh, seeing more and more of Jesus, one of the things we're seeing is that not everybody is on board with this guy. Not, not everybody is liking what they're seeing. Not, not everyone is happy uh, to be seeing who this guy is. All through the story, there has been a growing tension in the background. These Jewish leaders, these Pharisees particularly, these guys are getting more and more uncomfortable with who Jesus is and who he is showing himself to be. And over the last few weeks, we've already seen little bits of confrontation. But in the passage that Sally has just read for us, well, it just really kicks off, doesn't it? Uh, The Pharisees come to Jesus, ask him a question, and Jesus... Someone was asking me the other day what I was preaching on this Sunday, and I just said, well, well, basically, it's just Jesus teeing off for 23 verses. Uh, Jesus just calls them hypocrites. He says they don't listen to God. He rips apart their traditions and practices. Uh, You might remember, if you were with us last week, we were talking about Jesus' compassion and how Jesus is is the good shepherd and he he loves people. But, well, today, you you, you could be reading this thinking that, well, actually... We're quite shocked by what we're seeing from Jesus. He seems very harsh, even, even to be a brutal sort of person. And so as we come to this sort of passage, it might be quite a challenge for us to kind of think about, well, how should we understand uh, what's going on here? N- not only do you have this kind of brutal, harsh picture of Jesus, but you also have other complicated things that make it a hard passage to understand as well. There's all these Jewish rituals there, there's all this talk of being defiled. Like We don't really use the word defiled these days, did we? If, do we? Um, I mean, if you wanted to do an experiment, you could go up to someone after church and say that they're defiled, um, and I think they probably wouldn't take it as a compliment. Um, lots of complicated things going on here. So how do we try and make sense of this story? How do we try and make sense of these words of Jesus? And, and does it have anything to say to us? Well, yes, it does have lots to say to us, actually. Uh, Can I maybe start by giving this illustration? I think this will get us in the ballpark of what's going on in today's passage. Um, Every so often in the news, you'll see uh, news stories that are a bit like this. They're they're sad sad news stories. Um, They're about people who are sick and unwell, and they've been trying and trying and trying for years, months, uh, to get a medical diagnosis for what's going on with them. Uh, you, you've seen these sorts of stories, right? Um, maybe, maybe that sort of situation is one you've been in. Um, and sometimes the story will go like this. Uh, maybe the person's gone to the doctor. The doctor sort of downplays their problem. You know, it's just stress. It's just your diet. It's just something on the surface. It's just a surface-level issue. Just take some Panadol, get some rest. You'll be fine. Um, send, send them home. And maybe the person then kind of comes back again and back again and keeps fighting and fighting to get a diagnosis, um, only to be written off, written off. It's, it's, it's not, a, not a serious problem. It's just something on the surface. Uh, but eventually, they then find that they do the tests and they find out that actually all along there was something much more serious going on deep inside, a, a serious disease deep down inside of them. It wasn't all those external issues after all. There was actually something far more serious wrong with them, deep down inside. You, have people seen those sorts of news stories before? Um, yep, I'm getting a few nods of heads. Um, now, f- now, firstly, I want to say that we're very thankful for our doctors and health workers, and I'm sure when those stories come along, there's always two sides to them. Uh, medicine is no doubt complicated. Uh, but if we can bring that sort of story to mind, what, you know, kind of has been written off as a surf- surface level, level issue, but then what has been found to be actually something much Uh, much more deep down inside, something much more serious. I think if we can bring that sort of story to mind, I think that will help us understand what's going on in today's Bible passage. 
And we're not talking about medical issues, we're talking about sin and our standing before God. Because the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, well, they're worried about the surface level things. Clean hands, clean food. But Jesus comes along and he gives a diagnosis that something far more serious is going on. That it's not the hands, it's not the food, it's something deep down inside. It's not their unclean hands that are the problem, it's their unclean hearts. That's Jesus' diagnosis for the Pharisees. Actually, that's Jesus' diagnosis for us as well. If I bring up our outline for today, this is, um, this is how we'll, we'll look at it then, the Pharisees' diagnosis, and then uh, we are also going to look at our diagnosis. And getting a, getting a diagnosis of something wrong with you is uh, never an easy thing to hear, is it? And uh, the words of Jesus that we're looking at today, they do come across as perhaps harsh or blunt. They are hard words to listen to, but, well, when a doctor gives you a diagnosis, you don't actually want the doctor to sugarcoat it, do you? Um, It might be hard to hear, but the loving thing is for the doctor to be honest and truthful about what the problem is, and that's exactly what Jesus does. And as you listen to that diagnosis, you listen very carefully, of course, because um, you want to know what the problem is, and then you want to move on to be able to talk about what the treatment options are. Um, And I think that's where this passage takes us as well. The the right and wrong treatment, I think, will be our third point. Uh, so, So first, let's think about the diagnosis that Jesus gives to these Pharisees. Um, Let me encourage you to have Mark chapter 7 open. It would be very useful to have it there in front of you as we look uh, fairly closely at it. Um, Let's just start by trying to make sense of what's going on in those first few verses. Um, There's lots of these strange Jewish traditions uh, going on all through the passage. Uh, Mark actually is writing to non-Jews, so he actually he actually does quite a good job of explaining what's going on with all the Jewish um, traditions and that sort of thing. He, uh, look at what he says, starting from verse 1. Uh, he says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law, who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. And then, parentheses, brackets, The Pharisees and the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. Uh, When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions. So they wash their cups, they wash wash their pitchers, they wash their kettles. Um, So it's uh, pretty complicated traditions here, isn't it? Um, Understand what's going on. The the Jewish leaders have all these rules about washing, all these traditions about washing hands uh, before eating, washing cups, washing kettles. And now... Traditions, okay, they're they're traditions. Now, traditions, of course, traditions are not a bad thing. I'm sure you have traditions uh, that you follow through your week, even just your your routines. Um, You know, what do you do in the morning? What do you do before bed? How do you rest? What side of the bed do you sleep on? Um, And you might have more interesting, fun traditions too. In our family, uh, it's Sunday today, Sunday night tradition in my family. We're all a bit zonked, um, so we always have dinner in the lounge room uh, with the TV on on a Sunday night. That's one of our family traditions. And of course, we have traditions here at church as well. We how many songs do we sing each Sunday? What, what do we do with big days? You know, where do, when do the kids go out? What sort of coffee do we have? You know, we have nice barista coffee. We don't have that instant coffee. We have traditions and there's nothing necessarily wrong with traditions. But what seems to have happened with these Pharisees is that they've had these traditions about washing for so long that they've actually forgotten what's come from the Bible and what's just a tradition. And for whatever reason, they are enforcing these traditions as if they were in the Bible. I think that's almost exactly what Jesus says in verse 8. 
you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Actually, they've pushed aside what the Bible says. They've pushed aside the commands of God and actually they've made their traditions more important. And just to be clear, there, there was no requirement in the Old Testament law to say, wash your hands before a meal. That, they, there, there is one thing about the priests having to wash their hands before they enter the temple, but that's about as close as you get in the Old Testament. Every, everything else had been added on slowly but surely over the years. Now, does that mean, by the way, that washing your hands before a meal is a bad thing? I, don't, I, I see maybe some youth at the back writing this down. Don't tell me to wash my hands, mum and dad. Jesus got very angry with people who told him to wash their hands. Um, but no, of course, there's nothing wrong with washing your hands. It's not a bad thing to have traditions. Um, that's probably a good tradition for your household to have, wash your hands before a meal. The problem is that these Jewish leaders had started enforcing these traditions as if they were the very words of God. And at the same time, the actual words of God had been pushed to the side. And so they'd started pushing things like washing your hands. And actually, they were actually starting to say things like, well, or at least imply things like, well, it's actually washing your hands. That's what makes you right with God. And actually, we wash our kettles and we wash our pitchers because actually that deals with our sin and makes us clean before God. Now, you can kind of imagine, can't you, how those traditions might have started from a good heart? You know, you don't just wake up one day and decide, oh, let's throw out the Bible and let's, let's make some rules about washing our, washing our kitchen things. Um, that would be a good way of doing religion today. Probably, um, probably the, the Jews, the, the traditions had started as a reminder, probably a helpful reminder, maybe a helpful reminder of our sin, maybe a helpful reminder of, of the fact that we do need God to make us clean. Um, sort of like how we took the Lord's Supper this morning. Uh, the Lord's Supper is a really helpful reminder for us. We eat the bread, we drink the juice, we remember Jesus' broken, broken body, we remember Jesus' blood that was shed. But somehow or another, over time, little by little, the Word of God had been pushed out and those traditions that maybe had started as sort of helpful pointers to truth, well, it had now become all about those traditions themselves rather than what the tradition was meant to point to. I think this is a decent reminder for us. Traditions, as we've said, traditions are not a bad thing. But we do have to be careful with our traditions, don't we? That they don't take the focus off what's really at the core. As I said before, one of our traditions over the past few years uh, has been to have nice barista coffee before and after church. I'm sure um, you know that I think that's a great tradition. And I, I think we do it for good reasons. You know, it helps us to enjoy being together. It's a good way of showing hospitality to others, being welcoming. Uh, but you... You could imagine, couldn't you, that over the years, uh, years and years and years of good, good coffee, Lord, may it be so, uh, over the years of good, good coffee, well, we could start focusing on the coffee just a little bit too much, couldn't we? And maybe we could even start pushing the Bible part of our time together on Sundays to the side. And maybe as our kids grow up, we can start teaching them that, oh, coffee, that's what really counts. You could even imagine that we could get to the point, slowly but surely, where we start thinking like things like, Oh, good coffee. Well, that's, that's what makes us a good church. That's what makes us faithful Christians. Oh, look at that other church over there. They don't even have coffee. Oh, that's scandalous. It could even be heresy. Uh, of course, we're just making light of it a little bit, aren't we? But I'm sure we can think of examples of how, as time goes by over the centuries, church traditions, they can get to the point where it's all about the tradition, not about what that tradition represents tradition is not necessarily bad even for the pharisees it wasn't that the tradition was necessarily the wrong thing but 
for the Pharisees that it becomes so much about the tradition that the underlying truths about God and his holiness, well, they had been completely forgotten. The tradition, well, that was all that was left. No surprise then that in verse 5, the Pharisees are completely shocked when they see that the disciples aren't washing their hands before they eat. And as we said in verse 8 already, Jesus just delivers the honest, brutal truth. The Pharisees are hypocrites. You've you've let go of the commands of God and you're holding on to human traditions. You've you've left the Bible behind. Now, um, you might have noticed in the middle of our passage, if you've got it open, have a look at verses 9 to 13. Um, I'll just tell you briefly about kind of what's going on here. Jesus gives an example of uh, one of the examples of the way in which the Pharisees' traditions are getting in the way of following God. Um, it's a bit complicated, but what's going on is that the Pharisees have come up with this tradition, um, this idea that you could take part of your money uh, and you could declare it as Corban. So verse 11, Corban, that means you've, you've taken your money and devoted it to God, um, which, you know, okay, sounds pretty good so far, doesn't it? Take some, some of your money and devote it to God. Um, but what's happened, either deliberately or just kind of accidentally over the centuries, is that people are starting to take their money, they're declaring it as Corban, and then because that money's for God, well, it means they can't give it to others, because it's for God. And so in Jesus' example, you have money that you probably should be using to support your aging parents, because that's the good and loving and, and respectable thing to be doing, but actually what you've done instead is you've said, oh, I'll devote that money to God. And then you still keep it, but you can't give it to others, so actually it stops you from being generous. Sorry, mum and dad. I know you're really poor and you don't have enough money for food, but I can't give you that money. Sorry, it's Corbin. Sorry. As Jesus said, they've actually taken those traditions and actually almost used them to get around the Word of God, haven't they? To nullify the Word of God. One of the, one of the, one of the commandments, honour your father and mother. Uh, but instead of that, this tradition has actually stopped that from happening. And Jesus says, verse 13, they do many things like this. Um, he could keep going. This is just, this is just one example. Oh, well, the Pharisees really have gotten things wrong, haven't they? What's their diagnosis? You've been thinking that you can make yourselves clean before God with external things, with traditions, washing your hands, getting some rest, taking a Panadol, but you've been completely misdiagnosed. You have a much more serious problem deep inside, deep down inside. You're sinful. Your hearts, that's where the problem is. They're full of hypocrisy. You've left behind love of God. You've left behind God's word. You've moved so far away from what God wanted you to be. Your hands might be clean, but your hearts are full of sin. Now, this is a good time for us to pause. The Pharisees, they have gotten things wrong, that's for sure. Hopefully you're with me so far on that. Maybe like me, you find yourself looking down on the Pharisees a little bit. I mean, how could these idiots really get at this wrong? Just read the Bible, guys. Maybe you're a nicer person than me and you feel sorry for them. I don't, that's, that's not me. But um, I want us to pause now and take our attention away from these Pharisees. Let's do something that's actually a bit more uncomfortable. Uh, let's actually flip it around because we know, if we think about it, that we aren't immune to these issues either. Uh, let's think about the diagnosis that Jesus has for us. Uh, If you've still got your passage handy, look with me at verse 14. Here Jesus leaves the Pharisees' issue to one side and he turns to the crowd. He's kind of done talking about the Pharisees. He wants to say something now to the crowd, to everyone. 
Listen to me, everyone, he says. That includes us, everyone. What does Jesus have to say? Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. Now notice just by the way that Jesus doesn't say, you know, all that stuff about those Pharisees, all that clean and unclean, defiled stuff. You know, all that's just make-believe. Don't worry about that. There's no such thing as being defiled. We're all fine the way we are. Just forget it all. No, 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 no. He doesn't actually say any of that, does he? He actually does say we can be defiled. I know that's a bit of an old-fashioned word, but Jesus says we can be defiled. It's just that it's not the external stuff that's what does it. It's, It's not what we eat or drink. It's not about whether we wash our hands. There were some laws in the Old Testament about being clean or unclean and different things that we should and shouldn't do. Um, There there were laws for the Old Testament Jewish people. Uh, But those laws, they were only ever meant to point the Jews to the real issue. We are unclean. And it's not a surface-level problem. It's an internal problem, a heart problem. Look um, look down a little bit further at the passage. Uh, Verse 21, towards towards the end, uh, Jesus says it even more clearly in verse 21. It is from within. Out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. This is what Jesus says. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. It's inside. That's where the problem is. Now, I want to make another point here, but I I just want to be careful with this one. But I do think this is true. Um, We want to be careful here, but... um, we live in a world, I think, that loves to find external reasons for why, the way, why we are the way that we are. External reasons for our problems. So if we have a character flaw, we talk about things like, well, what's caused that flaw? Maybe it's something with my upbringing or, or something bad that's been done to me. That's, that's why I am the way that I am. We talk about the bad stuff that's happened to me, the ways that I've been wronged or mistreated, And we pick apart those bad things that have happened to us and how those things have affected us in negative ways. And and no doubt, actually, all that's really helpful, actually, because there is lots of truth in all of that. The sin of others can hurt and impact us profoundly. Some of us us would have been hugely hurt and impacted by what others have done to us. And then just the general brokenness of the world has a big impact on us too. Living in a broken world uh, can make it much harder to live for God. And of course, there's even a spiritual side to this. We believe in Satan. We believe that there's someone external who's actually deliberately trying to tempt us and actively trying to not uh, get us to live God's way. So there are lots of external reasons why we don't live the way that we want to. All that is very true. But even though that's true, despite all that, the truth that Jesus is giving us today is that those external factors are not ultimately the cause of our brokenness. External factors are not the root cause of what's broken about us. In fact, even that word, brokenness, it kind of isn't the right word for today's passage, is it? Because it implies that someone has sort of broken us. And yes, the world's brokenness does make us more broken, no doubt. But Jesus' diagnosis is that actually it's not that something has broken us. It's actually a problem within. It actually comes from our hearts. It comes from us. Verse 21, it's from within It's out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. Uh, Our problem is our hearts. Jesus' diagnosis is that our very hearts are evil. We are, by our very nature, evil beings who do not live God's way. It's hard to hear, isn't it? 
We can even notice the language that Jesus chooses to use. We, we might be much happier saying something like, you know, this, this messed up world makes me broken. This messed up world makes me broken. But actually Jesus doesn't put it that way, does it? He says, our evil hearts make us defiled. Might not be how we like hearing it, but that's Jesus' diagnosis. Jesus gives at the end that long list of the different sorts of evil thoughts that come out of our hearts. Uh, there are all sorts of things there, weren't there? I don't think there's all that much benefit in picking, picking it all apart too much. Uh, I think we, if we look through that list, though, and we look honestly at our inmost thoughts, uh, we will find all sorts of these things in there. Theft, murder, greed, malice, deceit. Uh, there are three things in the list to do with sexual temptation. the sexual immorality, which is sort of a broad term for kind of any sex, sex outside of marriage. And then there's adultery and lewdness, which are a bit more specific. And there's envy and there's slander and there's arrogance, folly. Those are the sorts of thoughts and temptations that I think do come up in our most inmost thoughts. You know, maybe as you go through that list, you don't necessarily tick every single one. Uh, but I think if we look honestly, I think lots of these thoughts and temptations are, are there inside for us. You know, lots of them are certainly there for me. And they don't ultimately come, Jesus says, from the external surface level stuff. They actually originate in our hearts, deep down inside. Now, we might, by the way, be really good at controlling our evil thoughts and desires. You know, we might be able to catch those malicious thoughts and actually stop them going anywhere. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's great. That's Christian maturity. That's self-control, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Praise God for that. But it still reveals to us what our hearts are really like deep down inside. I think if we look at it closely, we just, we've got no choice but to accept that Jesus' diagnosis, yep, it's, it's spot on, it's spot on. It makes perfect sense of what we experience. It's not ultimately all the stuff on the outside that's the problem. It's not food that makes us sinful. After all, Jesus says in verse 19, um, food never even makes it into our hearts, you know, it just goes into the stomach and out into the toilet. Probably the only time Jesus uses toilet humor in the whole Bible. Um, one problem is, our problem is deep down inside. Our diagnosis is that our hearts are evil. We don't, don't of course, say this lightly. We don't say this to make, a, make us all feel terrible about ourselves. I, um, I look around the room and I see a wonderful church full of godly people who I love spending time with. I hope when you look around the room you see something similar as well. But the point is, we'd be silly to pretend that we're all totally fine just the way we are, that we're all totally healthy. It would be like that patient who goes to hear the doctor's diagnosis and then just decides they're happier pretending that there's nothing wrong, covers their ears, doesn't listen. We do have a problem. Deep down inside, our hearts are not inclined to follow God. Our hearts are evil. And it's actually good for us to know this because when we know this, well, then we can start to talk about what can be done about our predicament. Um, our, our final point being the right and the wrong treatment. Uh, to be fair today, the passage that we've read, it's, it's a bit of a negative passage. It's, it's one of those passages that's more about the problem rather than the solution. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to actually um, see more about how Jesus has come to deal with this heart problem um, and what his solution to our heart problem is. Uh, but actually, one thing we do see pretty clearly from today's passage is the wrong way to go about dealing with our sin problem. You see, the Pharisees, if, if we like the Pharisees, think that our sin problem if we think our problem of not being clean before God, if, if we think that it's an external problem, a surface-level problem, if we think that, then 
like the Pharisees, we'll look to external surface-level solutions. Clean your hands, eat the right foods, wash your kettles. That's how to be clean before God, those external things. Take a Panadol, get some rest, you'll be fine. But let's not look down on the Pharisees too much because there are lots of ways that we try and deal with our sin problems externally too. You know, the Pharisees, okay, they thought that religious rituals were what made them clean before God. Well, I think I have to say that it's very possible for us to do the exact same thing. Um, You know, maybe I think that if I turn up to church every now and then, if I say a couple of prayers, if I sit through a sermon, even take communion, if I get a bit of a dose of religion, then that will make me clean before God. I, I think we can think like that, can't we? Maybe it's not quite so common these days, but I think it's, it's probably fair to say that 30, 40, 50 years ago, actually that was a very typical Aussie attitude. Perhaps, um, perhaps these days for your typical Aussie though, it's less about religion making us feel clean before God. Maybe it's, maybe it's about completely different things, having the right politics, having the right views and believing the right things. You know, maybe, maybe supporting the right charities and kind of being a socially responsible person and supporting a few good causes and voting for the person who's not too controversial. You know, all those things, that kind of makes me a good citizen. And I might say that before God, my hands are clean. Well, Jesus would remind us that it's not our hands that are the problem. It's our hearts. Uh, what else could we look to? We could look to education. I'm more educated now, so I kind of know how the world should be and I have the right answers, so I kind of feel like I'm a a leader of society and I kind of feel like a clean, good person. Or I follow the right trends. I see people who seem to have it all together and seem to be good people and so I kind of live like them and I kind of live, make my life like them and I I try and live like how they are and that's how I show that I'm a clean person. Or um, what, what What about this one? What about ministry success? (laughs) <laughs> we all want to see our church going well and uh, we all want to see the ministries that we serve in going well. Uh, is it because, you know, if we can get this church running really effectively and if we can see more people coming in and the church growing, well, that makes me feel good because it makes me feel like before God, actually, I'm clean now. Actually, God's happy with me. I've proven myself to him. Actually, yeah, before God, now I can stand knowing that I'm accepted because of all the great things I've done for him working to serve God's kingdom is one of the greatest privileges we can have as Christians. It's not a bad thing. Just like generosity isn't bad, just like education isn't bad, just like religious rituals can be great blessings. What an encouragement it is to take the Lord's Supper together once a month. But it would become meaningless if we forgot what it was about, wouldn't it? If we thought it was all about the bread and juice and we forgot about what Jesus had done. Our problem with sin isn't on the outside, it's Not those external things, it's in our hearts. And that means those external solutions, actually they're never going to cut it. We can work harder and harder and harder at doing all those things to make us feel like we have clean hands, but it's never going to clean our hearts. What do we need to deal with a heart problem, an internal problem? Well, we need Jesus. We need his spirit deep inside us. We need his forgiveness. Over the next few weeks as we move towards Easter, we're going to see that ultimately this is why Jesus came. He came to deal with this sin problem. He came to die on that cross, take the penalty for sin so that if we trust in him, we don't have to pay that penalty ourselves. He came to give the gift of the Holy Spirit who enters into our hearts and helps us to live for Jesus. We still live in our weak and sinful bodies, but the Spirit does help us to live for Jesus and say yes to him, not yes to the evil thoughts that come out of our hearts. 
as we come to Easter Sunday, we're going to see that Jesus' resurrection reminds us that we're looking forward to a new life after we die. We're looking forward to new bodies uh, where our evil hearts and our evil flesh will be totally left behind. We will finally be able to uh, have dealt with our internal problem. We'll finally be able to live fully and perfectly for God. This is why Jesus came, to deal with the real problem. We're going to look forward to thinking more about those things over the coming weeks. For now, I'm going to pray. I'm get a band to come up. We're going to sing a final song together as we finish our time this morning. So let me pray for us. Uh, Father God, we have heard today Jesus' diagnosis. It hasn't been an easy one to hear, but we know that deep down what he says is true. Our hearts are pointed away from you. We don't live for you. From our hearts come all sorts of unclean thoughts and things that tempt us. We are broken. We are evil. We are in need of you, Jesus. We need your help. And so today, Father, we do thank you that Jesus came. And we thank you that he came to deal with our hearts. And we thank you that in Jesus we are safe. Safe knowing that we're forgiven. Safe knowing that we're redeemed. Safe knowing that even though our bodies are weak, we have the spirit of life at work in us. Father, help us today to know our need for Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.